the Spot Track Podcast, talking sports contracts, the salary cap, and business of sports. Today's edition of the Spot Track Podcast is brought to you by The Athletic. With sports leagues inching closer to return, many of them here already, there's no better place to keep up with everything happening than The Athletic. Their newsroom delivers all-access reporting and powerful stories you won't find anywhere else. Download the app, follow your favorite teams and leagues, and get a personalized feed of great content just for you as a fan. There's no ads, no clickbait, just sports coverage every day, all day, including a big piece from Mike Sando, the quarterback tiers, which we'll get to in a little bit here today on the show. Visit theathletic.com slash spottrack, S-P-O-T-R-A-C, for 40% off your first year subscription today. We are also brought to you by Dynasty Owner. Do you think you're smarter than an NFL GM? Do you think you're the best at fantasy football? Here's your chance to prove it. Dynasty Owner includes the fun and excitement of fantasy football with the skills and strategies of the front office. Build a roster of players using actual NFL contracts and salaries from Spotrack. Can you build a winner while staying under the salary cap? Visit DynastyOwner.com, join a league today, win cash prizes, and compete in the chase for the ring. Tell them Spotrack sent you, and you'll get an extra bonus after you join. Do it today. Visit DynastyOwner.com. Happy Monday. My name is Mike Gennetti. Back from a little camping vacation, back to plenty of sports, watched plenty of baseball, even from the campsite last week. And uh, boy, we're here. It's the uh, it's the COVID version of 2020 with the Major League Baseball. The Marlins have been hit hard. There's some speculation on whether they should have played that game last night. But as of now, the Marlins are postponed indefinitely. And the Philadelphia Phillies are the benefactors of that, unfortunately. They'll be postponed indefinitely as well in that stadium including tonight's game with the Yankees because of an outbreak in the Marlins roster. About 30 or 40% of that roster right now has tested positive. I imagine that's going to escalate. Hopefully it hasn't transferred over to the Phillies, but that's the risk we're running here. Of course, the, uh, you know, even this isn't a, this isn't even a close contact sport. So we're here. This is the reality of sports during the pandemic here. Uh, you know, it's, it's impossible to say this wasn't predictable, and hopefully the league has some plans in place to get through this. Like I posed a question this morning, and it's what I'll start with today. We've had Scott on a lot talk about, from the NBA side of it and the NFL side of it as well now, how these incentives and these some of these stat numbers that lead directly to paychecks for a lot of these players need to be altered in this current situation and maybe forever. I mean, you know, we've got per-game active bonuses. We've got, you know, numerical statistics that lead to paydays number of sacks, number of three-pointers, things like that. But especially right now, it's just smarter to go percentage-based on this stuff. Well, we've got a situation now where the Marlins aren't going to play a game tonight. The Yankees aren't going to play a game tonight. Certainly the Phillies and the the Orioles are are the benefactors of that. There's about four and a half days off per team in this 60-game schedule. It's about a 67-game, 67-day breakdown of the regular season and then you add in travel and things like that it's just a very very impossible situation to handle when you have postponements which is what they're calling it but outside of just stacking on double headers which I assume that's what's going to happen if this thing continues and gets a little bit worse than where it is right now and I think we all anticipate that's going to happen how can you take wins and losses at the end of this year as the rightful way to to earn a playoff berth um, you know, one of the conditions that I hope they've built in as a plan B 
is if we have to look at run differential and, and winning percentages instead of wins and losses, I hope that's in the, in the back of people's minds because that is a smarter way to assess this season. It's, it's reckless to think that these teams, that really any team is going to make it through 60 games seeing that we're two and a half days into this 60-game season and we've got a team who's got to sit on the sidelines right now. I'm not trying to overreact to it. I'm just trying to put some analytics to it because I want this thing to get to the finish line. I want there to be a World Series. You know, I want them to be able to succeed in this really difficult situation because sports needs it and sports fans need it. And certainly the corporations that are tied to this from a from a business standpoint are relying on it as well. So it's a it's a rough start. That's for darn sure. We've got a slew of starting pitchers who are on the sidelines, many maybe for the whole year. Uh, you know, two of which didn't even didn't even opt into the season in Felix Hernandez and David Price. But your Verlanders, your Klubers, your Kershaws, your Otanis, rough start here for the first couple of days. Strasburg's on the shelf here, possibly. So it's a, you know, the injuries were going to be a part of this. The COVID positives were going to be a part of this. I'm concerned because the testing was an issue in that summer camp. It was an issue leading up to players reporting. It certainly seems like it was an issue now because, you know, not having immediate data, and I understand that's difficult, but this is, you should have the best available testing if you're going to do something this big with this much money at stake. You should just have immediate turnaround rapid testing, and it should be daily. And if it's not, I think what we saw happen yesterday when the Marlins played that game in Philadelphia is what we're going to get. We're going to get teams that are guessing. They're guessing that it's not worse than it sounds. Well, it was worse. They had four positives yesterday. They had four players hit the shelf yesterday, and it was actually eight to 12 players. Then there's coaches. Then there's some staff members as well that are going to be included in this number here. But assuming that it's not as bad as we think it is, is probably not the good, the best approach. If there's, you know, two to three to four on a single team in a single round of testing, we just got to pump the brakes on this. We've got to say this game can't happen. We're going to try to make this game happen at a different time. And like I said, I hope the league is ready for 60 games is a max, but maybe 45 is more likely if, you know, if this is just a, a sign of things to come with other teams. I sure hope that there's a plan in place because if the league has to figure this out on the fly, look, they, they figured out the playoff system two days into the season. So I'm not giving them the benefit of the doubt for being uberly prepared for what's about to come. And hopefully that they've got a plan in place right now. There's there's question about whether the league was even involved in the decision for the Marlins to play yesterday or not. That's got to change. That has got to change if we want this season to get through it. There's just so much money for these players and these teams and this league at stake from a business angle. They've got to be doing better. They've got to be ready to they've got to be okay with saying don't play today if it's going to mean they can play more in a week from now. It's just they got to be smarter than this. This was reckless out of the gate. It's a bad first hit on the on the resume here, and they've got to do better for it. So well wishes to all the Marlins players who are, who are dealing with this. Hopefully many are asymptomatic. Um, it's the right call to postpone that Yankees-Phillies game tonight. The Philadelphia Phillies need to figure out their own situation now in terms of staff members and things like that and get certainly full testing results back before they proceed. But let's see where we go from here. This was anticipated, predictable, and uh, how the league responds to this is very, very important. And all the other leagues are looking at this right now. This is not even a high-contact sport. Uh, You know, many youth baseball leagues are happening right now because, you know, 
local government government feels pretty safe with the distance that you can you can have safely in a baseball game or a softball game. So baseball should have been able to figure this out. I understand that locker rooms are a mess, the dugouts are a mess. They could have also not had these players in dugouts. I've been watching English Premier Soccer games for two months. They're not even sitting on those benches. They're spread out in the stands awkwardly, but they're doing it. And they and look, Europe has been outstanding with this. Outstanding. Their sports leagues have got, gotten to the finish line. We just had the EPL finish. We just had the Italian leagues finish. Can you believe Italy went from where they were to completing sports seasons? That's what they're doing right now. So it's frustrating that the American version of this just doesn't seem to be following the right protocols. I mean, I, I was speaking to a friend this morning. Why aren't runners at first base wearing masks? Is that really too much to ask? I mean, they are, they are directly on top of the first baseman. It, it's just part of the game. It's the nature of the game. It's the, it's the job of the first baseman to hold that runner t- as tight as possible to the base. You can't just throw a mask on and run the bases. It's not that. I've been wearing masks at, as a soccer and baseball coach for the past four weeks here. And it's annoying for about a minute. And then I forget it's even on, except for the fact that I have to talk loud and be a little bit more clear with my words so that some of the uh, the kids and parents can understand what the heck I'm saying. But run around first, throw a mask on as part of your equipment. You're already throwing the oven mitt on. You're already throwing on, you know, uh, other things to, to protect yourself. How about protecting yourself and the first baseman and the umpire who's standing right behind you and just keep, I mean, simple protocols like that. They seem like no-brainers. I understand that... The league probably can't mandate or require those kind of things, but you should strongly recommend that kind of thing happen if you want your product to be to, to maintain here for the next two months. Otherwise, we're just never going to get close. We're never going to get close. Let's spread the dugouts out. Half the team in the dugout, you know, half of the reserves have to sit up in the stands, which are empty outside of cardboard <laughs> cardboard cutouts. We can just be better with this. That's all. I mean, let's smarten up a little bit. Let's be, let's set a precedence for these other leagues. The big one being the NFL, who was staring directly at, the, at Major League Baseball because these two leagues are not doing the bubble. They're not doing a contained environment. They're going to travel. They're going to try to have normal normalcy with these games. Hell, the NFL still wants 20% capacity of fans. There's just a lot of things that are, are wants, but maybe not, you know, shouldn't be needs at this point. And I just think baseball can be doing a better job right now. And I'm not even speaking directly to the Marlins situation because it was inevitable that this was going to happen somewhere. And I think the fact that it's the state of Florida isn't surprising too many people either right now. It's just been a hotbed. So um, little things, right? Runner at first, throw a mask on. Spread out the dugouts. Let's get rid of, you know, I, I hate to see it because it's, it's a great part of the game, but <laughs> you got guys mashing home runs, running back to the dugout and having normal high five sessions. It's got to stop. If you're not doing daily testing, if you're not getting results every single day, which I, I'm, I'm almost positive that's not happening, then you just have to be extra cautious. You have to do it. You have to not high five. You have to go the extra measures and do those stupid things that we've all had to become accustomed to because it's a stupid year. (laughs) There's a a dumb virus. It's been a terrible year for normalcy and repetition and tradition. Let's just set it aside and adjust and try to get through this thing as best as possible. So frustrating As as a sports fan, as somebody who follows the business side of this and wants this to be successful and, uh, Let's hope for a little bit more change so we can keep this thing on the tracks. All right, we're going to bring in Scott Allen to the Hip Parade Hotline, and we're going to go over some of these quarterback tiers. We're going to talk a little basketball because they are, uh, I mean, they're exhibitions in full swing here. 
and it looks pretty damn cool. If you have not seen a, a television broadcast uh, or an internet broadcast of these NBA, NBA games, they have dialed this thing up pretty nicely to the point of where it looks way, way different, of course. But instead of empty gyms, it's kind of awesome. It's kind of like a, a three-on-three tournament or maybe like a maybe like a, a, a playground backdrop where you've got a big wall set up. A lot of playgrounds have those walls set up for, for got, you know, people to hit tennis balls and things off of. That's sort of the backdrop that, they, that they've built with this court. They've got on-court cameras, so you're kind of looking at it as from like a courtside seat. It's been really neat to kind of watch that. I mean, it's still basketball, and guys are going about 70% right now just to get back into it, which they should be. But I think once this thing hits the ground running and ESPN and, and TNT start putting these things on normal slots, it's going to be a pretty good watch, which we expected. We expected this to be well-produced, you know, well-put-together, and hopefully they can contain the safety side of this, which for all intents, they've, they've been able to do. The bubble has worked to some degree, and uh, hopefully they can get going off the ground here because, like I said, it's going to be a good watch. It's going to be somewhat normal. They've kind of reduce that empty gym feel which we have in baseball unfortunately there's just no way around that with those big stadiums and we'll have the same with football but i think it'll be neat so we'll, we'll talk to scott a little about what's going on in the basketball world and uh, certainly these quarterback tiers and i've got a couple of nfl numbers that i've been working on myself as we ramp up for this offseason they're going to cut rosters down to 80 pretty quickly here uh really in the next couple of weeks i've been busy at work hammering in these rookie contracts as these NFL draft picks finally get to it. There's really only a handful of them left to sign, so I've been updating those numbers, which not only affect 2020, of course, but the next four years, one of which is next year. And we've got some information from the NFL in terms of COVID protocols and salary cap information. So let's get to that right now real quick. The NFL basically has come forth and said, look, we understand there's going to be a gigantic revenue hit and last week's show, I mentioned that there was some speculation about the cap dropping $70 million, and they're going to take this all in one big lump next year so, so they can rebound immediately in 2022. And I said, big mistake. So they're somewhere in the middle now. Okay, they're somewhere in the middle. Basically, what they've said is, we are not going to let this cap drop more than $25 million. They've, they've set a $175 million cap minimum for 2021. My hope is they get way higher than that. They've got to keep this thing as close to 198 as possible, in my opinion, so that these teams don't have to go through heaven and hell just to get their rosters back. Because one of the things I'm starting to do right now is I'm starting to anticipate some incentives and things like that that could push into 2021 so I can get a better handle on where teams actually sit for the 2021 salary cap situation because there's about half the league right now that's in real trouble if that cap drops to 175. I have updated our website with a $175 million salary cap for next year. So when you're looking at teams next year and I'm looking at the cap tracker on our site, you're looking at sort of a real-time snapshot at what could be, um, including some rollover from this year based on what's currently there. Most teams don't have much rollover right now because they're still operating off the top 51. But like I said, roster cuts will be coming soon and we're going to push quickly forward. Once we have the 2020 numbers in place, of course, with full rosters on the 53 and those expanded practice squads, once we've got those set, I'm going to quickly push forward to 2021 because any revenue loss is going to mean, you know, salary cap dumped and some teams are really in trouble. The Chiefs are in trouble. The Eagles are in trouble. The Rams are in trouble. There's some really tough situations and it's going to be a long winter because, you know, granted that we have football and things can push forward as, as we're planning, it's going to be a long winter, especially from our perspective of 
who's going to be, the, you know, the one or two or three big names out on this roster, whether that's a restructure, whether that's an outright release, you know, guys like Derek Carr, guys like who are bubble players with high cap hits. I don't see a, a chance in heck that they can exist in a $20 million salary loss, salary cap, you know, reduction next year. So that's going to be in the unfortunate conversation is in the middle of this 2020 season, it's going to be, you're going to be playing for your life in terms of your playing career in a lot of cases, because teams are just going to have to make a lot of difficult decisions come February, March, when they understand what that salary cap will be and just how, you know, how ugly it's going to get from a, a cut loose situation. So we'll be tracking that. We're going to, like I said, we're going to hammer down these 2020 numbers and I've started to put the work in on 2021 as well as to sort of anticipate where these teams are going to live. We'll have a nice big show on that soon once I have a more finalized situation. But that's the, that's the, that's the layout right now. Um, some, of the, some of the COVID protocols are tough to see. You know, pl- players essentially reducing their pay all the way down. If we get to week one, it's basically a prorated situation. Nobody is fully guaranteed. You know, you're going to have a situation where if they only play five games, that's what, that's what your pay is going to be. It's going to be your base salary divided by 17 times five. So the, uh, you know, they're not going to touch your bonuses. If you've got roster bonuses and signing bonuses that have been paid out, that's yours. So anyone who's structured a contract that way this offseason is going to benefit from that outside of the fact that we can't get through a 16-game season. But it's going to get ugly once we hit week one because there's going to be a lot of what-ifs after, after that point. You know, per-game active bonuses, you know, a lot and, and millions of dollars for a couple of people on this on each team. So... We'll see where we get to, of course. We'll see how training camps go, which is really it's going to tell us everything we need to know about the NFL based on what we've seen now with Major League Baseball because you've got these players at, at close proximity. I think it was a good move to cancel the preseason. You've got to limit proximity right now. You've got to limit, and, and, you know, based on what I just said with baseball about the dugout situation, I hope that they're being way smarter <laughs> from a sideline perspective about how they're going to treat just proximity. Uh, you, you just got to be better with that. I mean, let's get rid of the first 20 rows if you think you're going to have fans and make sure we can put some players up there. I know it's ridiculous to say, but it, it's just a simple thing to do. It's simple. I mean, we got to have baseball players sitting in, sitting in the stands right now. We have to. We absolutely have to. It, it's just got to be part of the game. Let's not try to make it as normal as possible. Let's try to make it as safe as possible so that we can just push through this thing until there's a vaccine. There's no way around it. We, we can't beat the virus. We can just deal with the virus. And to me, they're not doing enough. So hopefully the NFL has more mandates in place for things like that that they can make simple decisions with. All right, enough from me. We'll bring in Scott soon and talk a little bit more about all this NFL quarterback tiers. Have you ever wanted to take a shot at getting a $12,000 Michael Jordan rookie card or a $1,600 autographed Tom Brady helmet for a fraction of the price? Hit Parade is the premier authentic autograph sports memorabilia mystery box manufacturer in the United States. Take a shot at getting the biggest autographed items from names like Michael Jordan, Tom Brady, Zion Williamson, Sidney Crosby, Mike Trout, and plenty more. Get your box today at Hit Parade's exclusive online provider, dacardworld.com. No one has more hits than Hit Parade. Joined on the Hit Parade hotline by Scott Allen. Scott, you're in the Washington, D.C. area. I want to start with a quarterback who didn't make this list. Mike Sandoz, quarterback tiers from The Athletic. Alex Smith, <laughs> we, I, we have to talk about him because it's crazy. We, we have, to, we have yeah. to talk about this. Um, Sando actually notes that 
you know, he kind of wishes he could get him on this list, but there's so many unknowns. Here's what we do know. He is having a physical right now with the Washington Redskins, excuse me, the Washington football team. And uh, his status is unclear, but he has been cleared for football activity. What are you hearing out of the D.C. area about at least him personally in terms of his football career and maybe how he fits into this team? Uh, from what I've listened to, I mean, like you said, he, he's been cleared. He can play. He, um, he may have an opportunity to be on the team outside of that. I mean, most of the talk has been about the nationals and that kind of stuff. And, Hmm. um, more of the team name itself from what I've listened to. Um, so as far as, his position on the roster, I, I have not heard personally from what I've listened to. Um, but, you know, it, it, it's a new wrinkle for that Washington team. If Alex Smith can come back and be, you know, even 80% of what he was with his leg injury, I mean, it, he is a viable option and he gives them a, uh, a, a, possible scenario to make them even better than maybe they initially thought. Well, I'll spoil this list a little bit just so we can get through this conversation. Kyle Allen is 35th on this list, dead last, and Dwayne Haskins is 33rd. (laughs) Okay, (laughs) So I think we can all agree that a healthy Alex Smith is a step up, at least initially, at least on paper initially. Let's speak of the paper, by the way. The reason he's still having a conversation with the Washington football team right now is that his $16 million salary is fully guaranteed. It was guaranteed for injury. Um, It locked in fully this March. So, I mean, he's getting that money outside of an injury settlement, which at this point seems unlikely because the football club does appear to be putting him through the proper health protocols to, to at least evaluate him, possibly in training camp. It's it's unbelievable. I mean, anyone who watched that documentary and saw the nature of the injury and kind of understands the medical side of it a little bit, it's unbelievable that, that A, he even put the work in to try to get back to this point because that had to take a mental toll on him. I mean, I can't even imagine him stepping back on the field now after going through that, but he's going to do it. And, you know, B, I mean, what does he have to lose outside of his outside of health, right? I mean... We just we just said it. If he's healthy, he can win this job in a week. He can take the starting role back in a week. So, and not just because of his contract, just because of I think the lack of abilities and experience that Kyle Allen and Dwayne Haskin possess right now on a on a really bottom level Washington football team. So, it's interesting. It's really exciting from a personal standpoint for Alex Smith to, to be at this point, especially leading up to training camp. Here's the, here's the contract figures just so we can get them out there. Like I said, this year is fully guaranteed um, at, about, at a 21 and change cap hit. Everything falls off after this. It's essentially a three-year, $56 million contract, but there's no guarantees after 2020. So if Washington feels like he is the guy going forward, he's going to be relatively cheap, except for the fact that the salary cap is going to drop. So his salary cap jumps up to $24 million next year. They can certainly do better by that with with the likes of Kyle Allen and Dwayne Haskins. So I think it's a very tall order to see Alex Smith on this team past this year. Um, he may have to take a substantial pay cut to get himself back on this roster. Look, he might go out and have a gigantic 2022, and none of this is really a conversation to be having. But from a contract standpoint, 
Washington can really finagle this thing after 2020, so I expect there to be some movement. And really, that's the discussion I want to have with all of the quarterbacks in the league today. All right, that's that's why we're bringing this quarterback tier conversation here. It's you know Mike Sando does this every year. It's one of the most respective lists we find every year in terms of the NFL offseason. Uh, he does a lot of work. If you, you know, check this out on the Athletic. I'm sure it's sitting there on the homepage right now for you to click. And uh, if you're not a member yet, theathletic.com/slash/spottrack get your 40% off to read this and plenty more. We're going to run through this pretty quickly, but look at there's two conversations coming together here. Number one, obviously, we're going to have a salary cap dump next year at some point. I mean, I've got the NFL protocol. Scott, I can send this to you at some point as well, where basically they've set a baseline minimum for next year at 175. That's they're not going to go lower than 175 on the salary cap next year. The bad news is it might go down to 175. So that's 25 million down from where we are right now. And uh, as I update these 2021 numbers, there's a lot of teams that are going to be in trouble. And teams that are in trouble are going to look at the, at their big cap hits and either restructure or try to get out of them. And generally speaking, that leads to the quarterback. So if you've got teams that have maybes or question marks at the quarterback position, you know we're, we're going to look at the lower tiers here with, from Mike Sando's information. There's going to be a lot of what-ifs heading into 2021 because of the cap situation, because of the COVID situation and the revenue dump here. It's, it kind of brings all this together, and this conversation, this quarterback tier conversation is maybe as, as important as ever because of the changes that are going to be forced on teams next year. So let's start at the bottom. I mentioned that we mentioned the Washington situation. We just don't know enough. Like I said, I think all three of those quarterbacks to some degree stick on the team. I guess it's possible Kyle Allen falls off, but they, they traded a halfway decent pick for him. He's got a relationship with Ron Rivera, and quite frankly, everybody should have quarterback depth this year. So I, I imagine all three of these guys are going to be on the week one roster. Granted that Alex Smith is fully cleared and comes off the pup list, but anything else to say there with Washington? No, I, I think you said everything right there. Um, it, it's going to be interesting nonetheless, um, regardless of how many wins they uh, have, how many, yeah. uh, how much production that they have. Uh, the whole Alex Smith situation. I mean, that's going to be one for the history books. If he does uh, is able to come back on the field and produce, I mean, that's a comeback story of the year in itself. It's just writing itself. And um, I mean, it's going to be from a medical standpoint and from a training standpoint, something that medical uh, people are going to look at in-depthly to see how how he did come back and the protocols that he did to to get back on the field from such a nasty injury. It's an interesting point because we've said this a lot over the past couple of seasons that injuries are not scaring away GMs anymore. I mean, you've got wide receivers who are tearing ACLs and things like that, quarterbacks with shoulder injuries. It's just not scaring people anymore because, the you know, the, the return, the recovery has been so productive, so efficient of late. You know, medical and science has really caught up to the sports world, especially in the NFL. You're just not seeing too many career-ending injuries happen anymore. We all thought this was one of them, and now we're all wrong on this. So you're right. It's going to be a lasting impact and just a, an added bonus to that point that, you know, an injury shouldn't end, this, end anybody's career at this point, you know, for the most part. And the money should still be there if you can play football, which has always been the case. So good for Alex Smith. Hopefully good for Washington if they can get this guy in the field and actually become a little bit better football team. Let's talk about a team that we uh, we spoke about plenty with the quarterback position this year in the Chicago Bears. Mitch Trubisky is the 32nd ranked quarterback on this list. He is he was tier three last year. 
he is <laughs> essentially tier five this year. Um, he, he sort of lands more in a tier four, I guess. Uh, to me, that's being generous because anytime you are the starting quarterback on a rookie contract and that team traded up heavily to get you, and yet they still spend a mid-round pick to get a veteran quarterback in here to, comp- to air quotes, compete with you, uh, <laughs> you're in trouble. So Mitch Trubisky is obviously in trouble. The situation with this contract is fluid. They can certainly walk away from this thing after this year, and they will, I, I would imagine. Uh, let's just say it this way. We've talked enough about Foles. We've talked enough about Trubisky. Who's the week one starter, Scott? That's all I want. That's all I care about right now. Mm-hmm. If I had to go out on a limb, I, I'll say Trubisky. They're going to give him at least the shot to one last situation to show what he, he can do and – if not, I think there's a short leash. They'll pull the trigger quickly if they need to. I couldn't disagree more. <laughs> oh, okay. I couldn't disagree more. I think it's done. I think it was done the second the trade got here. They know who Nick Foles is. They really don't need to see him in training camp to understand that. Uh, I think it's done. I think Trubisky is a backup. He's a good backup. And that's probably going to be the role he falls into now for the rest of his career, however that long, you know, however that <laughs> that lasts. But uh, I, I do think it's done. I think Foles is the week one starter, and we look forward from there. Sando's got Foles 26 on this list, so he's got him six spots ahead of Trubisky. So yeah. the, his analytics tend to agree with me there. All right, let's move up a little bit more here, Scott. The Jaguars. Gardner Minshew. Speaking of <laughs> you know Nick Foles' old team here, we've talked about him a little bit that we just we think they're going all the way down. I expect them to trade Yannick Ngakwe still on this tag in the next couple of weeks, maybe even this week when I look at sort of how things are, are stacking up. And, and actually, let's stop there, because we had a situation where Jamal Adams was traded. I haven't spoken to that yet on this pod, Scott, like I, so we can do it now. Because what we're seeing, especially with that Seattle situation, why wouldn't teams just be all in? All in on 2020. And I understand that's reckless, because we might get half a season. We might never even get a playoffs. But if we do... Next year is going to be a mess. It's going to be a disaster. At least right now, there's some financial stability with a cap and a roster you've already built and already planned for. You, many of these teams, like half the league, might have to absolutely break it all up next year from the top down just to get themselves financially healthy. And I think more and more teams are understanding this, that, that the, the damage isn't this year. The damage is going to be next year from a roster standpoint. Um, I think that that's exactly what that Jamal Adams trade is for Seattle. It's Seattle saying, no, we're not making any free agent acquisitions. We're not going to spend money down the road, but we'll bring this guy in right now because what are draft picks? Who cares about that right now to that team? That team's a game away from the NFC Championship. So uh, they got immediately better. They had to forge a ton of draft picks to do it, but I think that's how all teams should be operating. So we, when we, we're talking about like Jadavian Clowney and Everson Griffin and these, these free agents who are still out there, if you're a contender, just go. Push the push the gas pedal down right now in 2020 and hope we can get through a season, but make yourself as good as possible right now because next year is just going to be a mess, I think. Yeah, that, that that's an absolute great point with the draft picks because we don't know. We don't, know. It, it, we don't even know if there's going to be a draft. Exactly. If co- college, I mean, we talked about it the other day uh, with Trevor Lawrence. I mean, he's probably not even going to play at all. So, I mean, you're going to have a handful of players that aren't even going to be playing for at least a year 
to have even some of those reps in or, yeah. you know, draft draft stock up or down. You don't even know where those picks are going to be. So that's a great point. Another great point is the financial situation. I mean, I'm looking at uh, 2021 outlook right now based on the 175. And you have teams like the Eagles and the Saints that have – over $75 million that they're going to have to cut just to get down to mm-hmm. zero. So you're going to have teams that are going to have to move some assets, players, picks, whatever, to, to get to a financial point. So, yeah, if you're a contender, I think you look at those teams that you think may be in cap hell next year and you you throw a you throw a price at a, at a player and say, I'll give you this for that player if you have that cap space, I mean, there, there's a handful of teams that even with 175 still have a ton of cap space, mm-hmm. uh, like the, the Colts, the Patriots, the Chargers. Bro, they have room. Don't gloss over take. that Patriots team. That's the big one that I was looking at. You're right. right. They are they are set up to pounce on players next year. Pounce. Yeah, and then you have the Bengals and the Jaguars. I mean, all these teams have over forty million dollars in cap space that they could essentially, you know, use if if it drops to one seventy five. So they have room yeah. to take on a player and then extend him right now to give them the cash that they need, um, depending on their cap right now. But you know, pushing it down the line. So yeah, I definitely agree with teams that think they're all in right now. Or, can be all in need to go all in especially with you know unknowns for next year and the year after and conversely i I give the jets credit because this is a heck of a player they drafted him number six overall which was a mistake let's just be honest you don't draft safeties number six overall you just don't do it i know he's a heck of a player and i love the guy but this was the right time to cut bait you got a good a really good haul for him and you are going backwards. And if Sam Darnold doesn't take a step forward in 2020, you are going all the way down. This is a team that could be in Trevor Lawrence discussions in a couple of months. Mm-hmm. So right. th- you absolutely make this move. This isn't an edge rusher. This isn't a, a wide receiver one. You know, this isn't a quarterback. This isn't a major profile position right now. He's a heck of a player. But this, you, don't, you don't pay safeties on teams that are going down, not up. So this was always going to be the right move. They got the right haul from the right team. I mean... Boy, it's starting to feel like that Seahawks team of old, right? They're going to they're build that secondary big so that they can match their offensive production and hopefully put together a juggernaut team. It just feels like version two for Pete Carroll out there. But I think on both sides, this is a win. This is the right move for the Jets. They are a team that probably should be stockpiling draft picks, even with the unknown, because if they're going down, you might as well have that in your, in your back pocket, right? So I, I get it. But just I, I wanted to speak to that more globally because we're talking about the Jaguars here. I don't think they're doing it enough. They're not breaking it down. You got to trade in Gawkway. You got to go down. If you're going to start Gardner Minshew, and I understand he can play a little football, but you just don't have the pieces around him. To, he's not going to be successful. You're going to run this mm-hmm. offense through Leonard Fournette. He's going to have a monster season heading into free agency, by the way. So, you know, that's another problem that could could be coming up here for the Jaguars in a couple of months. But I just think uh, they haven't done enough to get all the way down. It kind of feels like the Dolphins last year. You know what I mean? They did, they did all the yeah. right things. They right. traded a left tackle. They traded. They cut and traded their defense, and then they threw Ryan Fitzmagic out there and won six games. <laughs> like, if you're going to do it, just freaking do it, man. Go all the way down. So, to me, the Jaguars still have work to do to get down to the bottom, if that's the case. Uh, boy, I, they, they put 
Gardner Minshew in the same tier Mike Sando did as Drew Locke. And I think this is one of the most interesting parts of this, in, this entire discussion because I've done some work on the Broncos last week and you saw it on Twitter. This, this roster, this offense, it could be outstanding. It, there's a lot of unknowns. These are a lot of rookies. These are a couple of second-year players, you know, wide receivers, tight ends, running backs, of course, and Philip Lindsay and adding Melvin Gordon to the conversation who's kind of the grandfather of this offense now. But... I understand Drew Locke hasn't shown a lot. It's a small sample size. He had a heck of a second half last year. I'd put him way higher than where he is on this list because of the potential and the ceiling and the offense he has around him right now. He's got better weapons than maybe half the league right now in terms of a quarterback starting in in 2020. This is low for me uh, to have him tier four like this. So I, I don't know where you fit. I think maybe a lot of people just need to see it to believe it in Denver. But yeah, that's I, where I'm at. Jury's out still on him. Yeah, I, I just think they've done enough. They've done enough. And I know it's through the draft. And generally speaking, you can't do everything through the draft. So maybe they feel that these teams are just like maybe a year away in terms of the experience they need to, to get together to, to build a culture on that offense. I think if it clicks, it's going to be massive and they're going to be incredible values. And it's going to be the talk of the uh, financial football world if Drew Locke can put together an offense that exists out there. Tyrod Taylor at 29th just feels about right to me. You know, he got a few more tier three votes than I think he deserves. He's, he is who he is, and that's just fine. I mean, we talked about Fitzmagic, Fitzpatrick a little bit there. Tyrod Taylor certainly is in that conversation, and those two are back-to-back on this list. So, you know, low 20, low 20, excuse me, for Ryan Fitzpatrick and Tyrod Taylor. Both of them probably play a max four weeks, if any, you know, with Tua and Justin Herbert on their heels. Uh, we'll see how that goes. I think a limited training camp probably means both of them start week one, but that's about right. Really nothing more to say about that. Uh, what is your take on the Raiders? Because Marcus Mariota falls in 27th. We're talking about 2021. We're talking about a salary cap dump. There's a high-paid quarterback on this roster already, and they gave Mariota a pretty good deal to come in and compete with Carr this year. Speak to the Raiders a little bit, Scott, from the quarterback position, because I'm going to bring some numbers in, into the conversation when you're done. Go ahead. Yeah, I mean it. It with him at four. I don't know where Carr is. I'm going um, going blind here just to have a little bit of uh, um, intrigue. Yeah, yeah, intrigue there. But I mean, him being at tier four, uh, I, I'm not surprised by that. My guess is Carr is probably in tier three if I had to guess. And with that being said, I mean. Uh, who knows what Oakland or, or Las Vegas, Vegas. now <laughs> Vegas, <laughs> who knows what they're going to be going forward. I mean, you know, yeah, Mariota, he, he's, he's a nice backup, but I don't think he's going to light the world on fire. If Carr gets injured or gets traded, not that he's going to, but you know, I, I, I don't think he is the viable person that's just going to step in and be, uh, the backup that's going to take your team to the next level, which is obviously why he's at a tier four. So, um, yeah, I, I, he's at a tier four, and I'm, I'm going to guess Carr's at a tier three, and probably at a low tier three, if I had had to say. This one's tough for me. This one's really tough for me. Um, I'm looking more at 2021 than I am 2020 right now, and. When I started to run the numbers that you looked at there for the 2021 cap situation, I mean, the Raiders are okay. They're not great, but they're okay. But they can save $20 million in cap space by removing Derek Carr from this conversation. To me, that's absolutely going to happen. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's 100% going to happen. Even, here's, the, here's the problem, though. 
The problem is Derek Carr had kind of a heck of a season. He went over 4,000 yards again. He had 101 passer rating. He had 21 touchdowns and only eight picks. He's pretty darn efficient kind of every other year. So maybe if, you're, if that's your philosophy, he's going to take a step back. But he did all of what I just said with Tyrell Williams. That was the wide receiver. He's now added significant, I mean, significant wide receiver help in Henry Ruggs. And they're going to be better. They're, they're, they're just going to be better. They fixed that offensive line. There's a chance that Derek Carr gets back into the conversation here. My point with, with bringing it all with Mariota is it, it looks pretty brilliant now. Now, they overpaid for Mariota, and I don't think they had to. I'm not sure who they were bidding against for Mariota after looking at the, how the rest of the offseason shook out. But it's a pretty good situation for them to have Mariota under contract in 2021 as a way to look at Derek Carr and say, you better be outstanding. You better be elite for us to even consider bringing you back. And even if they do, they're going to have to restructure Carr. I mean, they're not going to keep him on his current situation. So uh, it's a very tall wall for Carr to climb right now to, to stick on this roster. But the point needs to be made that he was pretty efficient with a pretty lame set of weapons. Now, certainly they're going to run that office through Josh Jacobs. He is clearly the, uh, the linchpin of things out there. But the quarterback play is going to be important. And if we're talking about a 175 cap in 2021, Carr, Carr just ain't going to cut it. I mean, his contract is on the backside right now. So might be a really nice move from Mayak, a sneaky good move to bring in Mariota, not just for 2020 purposes, but for some financial health in 2021, depending on how, how things shake out. This is a really interesting team. I mean, I hate that there can't be fans at this Vegas, this Vegas setup because that stadium is unbelievable. But this is a team, this is a sneaky team to watch. This just is because I think Mayak has done a sneaky good job on the offensive side of the ball. It's taken a couple of years to get you know, some of the pieces in place. I still think trading Cleo Mack was a mistake, but it is what it is now. <laughs> um, I, I just wonder if we laughed at the Mariota move six months ago and maybe in six months we're, we're thinking, oh, you know what? That's actually a pretty good value in 2021 for a starting quarterback who can move around a little bit. So we'll see. I, I just wanted to pump the brakes on the Mariota hate because he's down on this list, but he's not all the way down, <laughs> you know? I mean, he's not, he's not all the way down there. I mean, the Mitch Trubisky's of the world are pretty far farther down than Marcus <laughs> Mariota. Let me put it that way. Uh, we talked about, a good point. Yeah, we talked about Foles. We, we can gloss over the Bears because I've done enough work on them in the past couple of months. Here's a name, man. Holy cow. Daniel Jones, 25th. You know, kind of split between Tier 3, Tier 4 in terms of how the votes hashed out. Are the Giants anything this year? It's, it's, a, it's a pay year for Saquon Barkley which could be very interesting, although, like we said, reduced revenue, reduced cap probably isn't as in his favor to get an extension next offseason. Uh, you know, there's some, there's some wide receivers there. They like the tight end and Engram, but he's got to break out still. The defense is still kind of a mess. They're young. They've, they've lost a lot of the experience on that side of the ball. But Daniel Jones had flashes last year. I mean, where are you with the Giants right now in Daniel Jones? He, he's, he's growing. He, he's you know, getting better every week. And I think having some of those assets around him is going to make him better. I'm trying to think of who they drafted, if anybody in the, uh, this latest draft, um, can't think of any off the top of my head, but, um, <laughs> um, I, I think he is a player that is going to continue to get better. Um, I, I think the jury is out still, but, you know, as teams are going with now, they're, they're throwing these rookie quarterback into the fire and say, 
learn it or yeah, there's just no risk. You're, you're gonna be you're gonna be gone. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, there's there is no risk involved right now for them. Um. No one expects them to uh, have you know, 11 or 12 wins with that team. So I, I think they're on a path of, you know, just get better, gel, have some chemistry, see if, um, you know, he can move the ball down the field. And, you know, th- that's what the Giants are looking for right now is is growth. Yeah, I'm not too worried about Daniel Jones this year because the Giants are who they are. I mean, they're third in that division. There should be no change in that. They're gonna, they should be better than Washington. They're not Philly. They're not Dallas. So I think they know that, and I think they've been building this offseason accordingly. They're slow playing it, and if they if they like the step forward that Daniel Jones takes, and I imagine he will, um, then it'll be more all in next year. Outside of the fact that there's no cap room, but well, uh, you know that might that might be a problem in 2021 for Daniel Jones. Is he has a breakout year this year, and that team just doesn't have the financial ability to to make themselves better. So they may right. have to really push this thing into 2022 before they can do anything about Daniel Jones, which is a bit of a waste on that rookie contract, even though he's only in year two. So something to keep in mind there, the Giants don't appear to be pushing too heavily forward, and probably that's the smart move. So No, and, a, they, and I did I pulled up their draft. They drafted some linemen and yeah. then some uh, safety cornerback and then a bunch of linebackers in the seventh round. But, I mean, they stocked up on that line for the most part with um you know the, their first pick at number four was a tackle and then it their third round pick was a tackle and then they took a guard in the fifth round so you know they're they're doing things as we've said for years get get build around that quarterback so that he can be successful which is essentially what they're doing they're they're giving him some linemen that can help protect him to give him time to throw the ball to make decisions and i, I think that's what they're going to do they're, yeah. they're just going to grow as much as they can and gel as a team yeah we mentioned darnold he's next on this list boy those uh new york quarterbacks are are not very high unfortunately <laughs> the uh, the myth about new york sports right now is is growing because it's a uh, it's not good times outside of the yankees in new york for for any sports team uh sam darnold 24th he was a, a tier three last year he remains in tier three this year we'll see how that goes like i said i think they're going backwards in terms of their their roster development I don't know if Adam Gase is the right coach for that for any of this. Maybe for anyone at this point. That, that speaking, you know, some of these players speak so lowly of him. Uh, I don't know. Just feels like they're going backwards. And I like Darnold a lot. I liked him as one of the better quarterbacks in that draft class. He is, you know, essentially last right now outside of Josh Rosen, who's out of the league at this point, essentially. But Darnold is fourth to Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, and Baker Mayfield. And it's kind of not even close. I don't know. I'm not sure that's the case from a talent perspective, though. If this team was better built around him, and maybe there's a little bit better coaching, I think Sam Darnold's higher on this list. So I give him a little bit of a chance. I just don't know if the roster's there for him. 23 is really interesting, Scott. Why don't you take it? <laughs> yeah, I'm actually surprised by this. Me too. Teddy Bridgewater at 23. I did not expect him to be that far down, to be honest. Um, I mean, most of his uh, votes were in tier three. I, I guess being with the, the Carolina Panthers and, and them being um, not expected to have a lot of wins this year. I mean, I guess they they don't think what is around him he's going to uh, you know bring up and excel the team. I just don't know. But, 
that's that team. Every every time we talk about the Panthers, I mean, we always say, who do they think they are? We know that they're Christian McCaffrey, but outside of that, you yeah, know, but yeah, but no, let me, let me give going? you some names because they got McCaffrey, of course. But DJ Moore is a first round pick wide receiver. Robbie Anderson yeah. showed some things in, on a bad Jets team. And a lot of people like Curtis Samuel in that slot. Those are three halfway decent names right there to go. You know, they lost Greg Olson. They're going to bring in some some, you know, middle tier veteran tight end work. So Bridgewater might have some need some help there. But I, I just don't I mean, they probably can't play much defense. Uh, probably not. Although they they've got two massive defensive lineman and Derek Brown this year and Kwan Short and Brian Bird's on the edge. He's a first round pick edge rusher. I, I just don't see a lot of bad. The secondary might be terrible. So maybe they might give up a ton of points. They're going to lose games. There's no question they're going to lose games. But Br- Bridgewater this low is just I, we don't really know who he is, I guess, anymore because he was a superstar in Minnesota for a year and a half. He was an absolute superstar and he just hasn't been given a chance to really do his thing. Maybe people think he's just past his prime or maybe it's in his head at this point and he can't be the kind of player he used to be. I guess that's all true. So playing it safe from a list standpoint with Bridgewater, I guess is fine. I just think there's teams that have a lot worse weapons than he does right now. That's all. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. I, in Like you said, who, who who is he at this point having been on the Saints and you know getting limited time and we really haven't seen the full – fledged Teddy Bridgewater in, mm-hmm. in recent years. So I, I guess if, thinking about it more, I, I guess I could see why he is as low as he is because of the unknown. And you've seen, you know, as we jump to like Josh Allen and, and Baker Mayfield next year, I mean, we've seen them for the past two seasons and we know essentially, you know, what kind of players they are and they're growing that they're, they're newer in the league. So I guess I could see why he has been voted as low as he is at this point. Is Josh Allen too low? He only got four tier two votes. What do you think? No, no, I don't think he's too low. He's a tier, he's tier three for you still. Yeah, I think he's a tier three. I, I wouldn't put him up to tier two yet. Uh, we've seen, you know, his his accuracy, his. In, in some cases, his decisions to throw uh, down the field or lateral or, or lateral, <laughs> but he also hasn't had the weapons around him. So now having digs and some, you know, they added another uh, running back. So they've added some weapons here. Yeah. And with another year of growth, I mean, um, he's putting in the work. There were some uh, photos of him throwing the football with wide receivers at a local high school this weekend. So uh, I think 22 is about right. And if he can prove that he is growing and he is having chemistry with the the players around him, I expect him to, to rise from 22 to be higher next year. Okay. Let me ask it this way then. Should he be below Baker Mayfield? Cause he is. Baker Mayfield had a heck of a lot more weapons than Josh Allen did last year. Baker Mayfield's weapons are Odell Beckham Jr., Jarvis Landry, Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, David Njoku. I mean, I'm missing some here. These are yeah. That, that's an all-star stud of weapons if you can make it all work together. They haven't been able to make it all work together. They, they improved. Baker Mayfield improved last year. There's no question. So did Josh Allen. Uh, you know what doesn't matter to this list, clearly? Winning. 
because Josh <laughs> Allen went into the playoffs and Baker Mayfield wasn't even close. So I that I struggle with that a little bit. To me, you got to flip flop those two from that perspective. Big, but I understand yeah, they're both it, in the same boat, and especially now that Allen did add a couple of weapons this year, they're probably pretty much aligned in terms of what they have to offer. And look, Baker was taken ahead of Josh Allen. There's no question. Baker was the number one overall pick. You got to give him the benefit of the doubt. He's probably more talented from a, a quarterback analytical perspective, even though Allen's got certainly a, be- a better arm and maybe a little bit more mobility. I, I just think in this in this snapshot, I would have put Allen above Baker Mayfield. Yeah, I th- almost think it's sort of splitting hairs because if sure. you look at their average tier, Baker is at 3.00 and Allen's at 3.04. So, I mean, one vote, one way could have flip-flopped them easily. Um, so... Like I said, I think you're splitting hairs as far as the average number that's there. And if you look at it, Allen was a tier four last year, being up to tier three. Baker Mayfield was at a two. Now he's down to a three. So you can it's almost a good probably. Point. It's a good point. He got his demotion. Yep. He did. And, and like he, the number one overall pick bias, um, you know, we, we've <laughs> no talked kidding. about it with, we've talked about it with in past uh, episodes here of the recency bias of uh, does a number one quarterback get a longer leash than other eight a la, you know, Jameis Winston. So I think the number one bias gave him that slight edge and that's why he is slightly above Allen, but Allen has the trajectory upward to tier three and hopefully next year he can be uh, higher than he is this year and maybe almost into tier two if he can, you know, grow uh, on the field as a lot are projecting. Lamar Jackson, Baker Mayfield, Josh Allen, Sam Darnold, all up for extensions after this year. They still have year four and then a fifth year option available to them, but they become extension eligible after 2020. Probably not going to happen though with you know a 175 cap and teams in financial messes, but and you know in terms of their contracts, that's where they sit. This would this was supposed to be a very, very big year from a contractual standpoint for those quarterbacks, not to mention just the winning part. Uh, let's get into the top 20. We're looking at Mike Sando's quarterback tiers on The Athletic. Visit theathletic.com slash spot track. Get yourself 40% off. Give this thing a, re- a read. It's sitting right there on the homepage and certainly on the app as well. Let's get to the top 20, Scott. We mentioned him a plenty already. There's Derek Carr. And a lot of people hear the name Derek Carr and they groan or they moan or, you know, Here's the thing. and The quote that's associated with Derek Carr in this piece is probably perfect. Disappointing, inspires no confidence anymore, but he's, got, but he's too talented to be anything less than a tier three. That's right. I, I just went through his stats. His stats are above average. His, his passer rating is over 100. He's efficient. He went 21 and 8 in terms of touchdown interceptions with a very limited set of offensive weapons to work with. He's got a nice tight end in Darren Waller. He's got a great running back in Josh Jacobs. They added wide receivers this year. They added speed this year. He should be better. He should be able to win this job going forward. He should be able to because he's a talented quarterback. Um, but like I said, I'm glad that there's pressure now on him. I'm glad Mariota exists on, on a two-year contract, which, which, like I said, it means Carr probably gets the, the keys to the car this year, maybe. I mean, they can still get rid of him for a ton of cap savings right now if they want to. But my assumption is Derek Carr gets the week one start. But Mariota is sitting right there, and he is under contract for 2021, which means Derek Carr better be amazing this year or he's out the door. So that's, that's how we start our top 20, huh? Nice and negative. Speaking of <laughs> negative, holy cats. 
19 on this list. Cam Newton and those Patriots, Scott, which you mentioned before, if this works out, they're gonna take they're gonna take forty five million of that cap space and slap a franchise tag on Cam Newton. That's where they're gonna that's where they're gonna start in twenty twenty one. I can tell you that right now, because yeah, right. he did not grant himself a no a no no tag clause. He's sitting on a one point five million dollar cap right now. He's got a chance to make a little bit more coin than that. But I think a lot of smart people think this is really gonna work out, Cam Newton and the New England Patriots, and maybe it takes a couple of weeks to get there. But even if it gets there by week seven or eight, and you can start to see the signs, they're gonna keep this guy. They're going to keep him because he's young, he's mobile, he's versatile, he's you know kind of a dream for an offensive coordinator like uh, McDaniels is who can kind of make a lot of things work. They do have some aging weapons in, in Edelman and a couple of tight ends that they need to replace. They can do that next offseason if they need to because you're right, they'll be one of the teams that have cap space to either acquire via trade, which I think is going to be a massive tool. I mean, the Patriots with cap space and teams that need to trade that's a dream for Bill Belichick. He loves to fleece teams in trades, loves it. So I expect that to be very, very exciting for this offseason. To me, this is kind of like a, a, a whatever happens, happens season for the Patriots. They're still favored to do pretty well. They're going to compete for that division, even though the, the Bills have certainly taken a step forward. But you put Cam in the driver's seat, and I think it's going to be, let's see what we have in 2020, and then they can be dangerous next year in that offseason, right? Yeah, completely agree. Uh, I think I think he's in a situation of the unknown as well as some of these other quarterbacks sure. that we've already talked about. I mean, having had the injury, now being on the Patriots, that just raises him up even more because of the system. If he can really gel in that system, I mean, the value is going to be astronomical. Yeah, the difference here, Scott, is that we're not talking about Alex Smith and $16 million guaranteed. We're not talking about Teddy Bridgewater and $40 million guaranteed. We're not talking about Ryan Tannehill and 91 million guaranteed. We're not even talking about Mariota and 10 million guaranteed. We're talking about Cam Newton and $550,000 guaranteed. That's what we're talking about with the Patriots situation. So you're right. It's totally house money. Whatever happens, happens. If they have to revert to Stidham, they'll do it. But they, they have totally fleeced this entire situation. It is all in their hands. Whatever happens here, they can control it. They can handle it from a financial situation. They'll be set up nicely in 2021 if they have to kind of rip everything up and start over. And oh, by the way, they'll still have Stidham on a cost-controlled rookie contract next year. So if they have to fall back on that, they're still in a great spot at the quarterback position from a cost standpoint. It's just a win. My guess is Cam Newton works out at least for half the season, and he, gets, he does enough to get, grant himself a franchise tag. That's, where, that's how I think this thing unfolds. Yeah, I, I think the last point with Newton here that I noticed is one person voted him to be tier five. Crazy, I, right? I, crazy. Panthers because, beat I mean, writer. <laughs> you, you think of all the quarterbacks that we've just gone through, and you're saying Cam Newton is worse is, than all is of Mitch those Trubisky. other quarterbacks? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, no. Yes, he's been injured. That's that's the only reason you do it, Scott. You don't think he can get through eight games anymore. That's the only reason you do that. Otherwise, it's just a slap. It's like not voting for, uh, it's not voting Griffey in the Hall of Fame. What are we doing here, people? Right, exactly. <laughs> Should be banned from the vote. All right, that makes sense to me. I- I'm glad he's in the top 20. I think that makes a ton of sense from Sando's standpoint. Don't, oh, I do. Don't, don't put him down in Bridgewater's territory. He's better than Bridgewater. No. He's done more than Bridgewater. He's on a team that should make him successful immediately again if he's healthy. All the signs point up for him. It's just, a, it's just such, such a nice situation for New England. I mentioned Tannehill and that $91 million guaranteed, which 
Every time I say it, I have to cringe a little bit. I just don't understand how it's that big. He went from four million to ninety-one million, taking his team to the <laughs> champion. I, I, I look at winning solves everything. W- winning the Super Bowl probably got Patrick Mahomes an extra hundred million dollars. It's just fact. If he loses mm-hmm. that game, I don't think he gets four fifty. He, he might approach four. He might get in the three fifty with some incentives. But winning the Super Bowl, the way he did, t- turning that team around, got him $450 million. And getting darn close to that Super Bowl got Ryan Tannehill $91 million <laughs> guaranteed. Uh, I can't say that enough out loud because it really just is more shocking every time I say it. But he's here. He got 10 Tier 2 votes. 10. Is Ryan Tannehill that good of a quarterback? I know where he was drafted. I know what his expectations were in Miami. He, had, he did have a couple of nice seasons before his injuries. But... Man, they're giving him a lot of credit. He's got weapons. He's got a lot of offense yeah. around him. So he is a product of that system. There's absolutely no question. But he belongs in Tier 3. He belongs where he is right now. Doesn't he feel kind of Josh Allen-y? Yeah, he does, actually. Yeah, I, which maybe isn't great for Josh Allen. But I think that just seems like that that's the kind of quarterback those two players are. A little bit of mobility for each, of course. Uh, both can really sling the ball really well. And if they've got the offense around them, they can be nice game managers. But man, ninety-one million. I, they're putting, they're just putting so much on him right now. It just seems, it seems crazy. Um, I don't know. Well, we'll see. No, no tier five votes for Ryan, Ryan Tannehill, by the way. None. Uh, all right, Garoppolo's next. Speaking of the Super Bowl, you take it because I don't know what to think yeah. about this guy yet. I, you know, we, we've we've talked about him and you know, game manager, not game manager. Can he take uh, the game at the end and really? put the 49ers over the over the hump to finish off and win a game i mean we sort of saw you know him not able to do that in the super bowl um yeah tier three he's number 17 i guess is he better than josh allen and baker mayfield um teams didn't think so from a draft perspective he was a mid-second round pick he did I'll say yes right now. I'll say yes. Okay. Um, it, based on projection, I think Josh Allen is going to have a leg up on Jimmy in the next couple years if if he really does, you know, do his homework and is given the weapons around him. Now Jimmy has weapons around him. They moved some out. They brought in linemen, that kind of stuff, but. If I had to have guessed, yeah, I probably would have him around 15, 16, 17 as far as, you know, his spot in the top quarterbacks in the league right now. Um, some may balk at that and think he's higher. Some may think he's lower. I think it's about right. I mean, he was tier three last year, tier three this year. I, I don't know what number he ended up in tier three last year, but my guess is it's a, around this. And I think. The 49ers are okay with that um, because I remember what when he signed, they had uh, it was a ton of front loaded. And then as the years went on, they could have moved on from him at any point. Yeah, Let's let's talk about this. So two things. Statistically speaking, Jimmy Garoppolo is Derek Carr. Okay, And doesn't that feel about right? We just we we know we know the guy can play football, but we just don't know how great he is or can be. He's talented. He probably belongs in the middle of the pack. That's basically where he is right now, right in the middle of the pack. So I, I completely understand the ranking. I'm not sure that, that a couple of these players we've already mentioned aren't more talented than him, though. So 
you know, I wonder, and I didn't, I didn't read too much into how this is, uh, Sando picks this list. I wonder how much the team around him, you know, the weapons, the coaching factors into these rankings, because I got to tell you something. I, I do not love the 49ers right now from an offensive standpoint at all. Debo Samuel is that breakout rookie from last year. He broke his foot. He's going to miss a, a bunch of weeks here, possibly three to four weeks at least to start. He's been out all summer, so he's not, there's no training from him at all at this point. They did, they did draft a wide receiver in the first round in Brandon Ayuk, but he's, a, he's sort of a flyer. I mean, he's not a slam dunk. He's not you know, one of those top five wide receivers that, that you know, the, the teams we've mentioned picked up this year. They lost Emmanuel Sanders. They have absolutely no experienced wide receivers on this roster. None. Zero zilch. Uh, certainly they have Kittle, so we're comfortable there. That, that, that's certainly a big piece to have. But even Raheem Mostert and Tevin Coleman as the running back options, there's a very good chance that, that Mostert was a, a, you know, an anomaly last year. And I know he's trying to guarantee his salary for this year, but that's probably a bad sign. <laughs> if he's worried about his financial future and he needs to guarantee 2020, I think a lot of people think that maybe he just overachieved in 2020. Maybe that's what we're thinking about the 49ers as a whole. This is a well-coached team with a really good system. And Jimmy fits the system, I think, pretty well. But I also think, I also think that uh, Shanahan, Kyle Shanahan thinks, you know, and we kind of saw it with the Brady news, that if he can get a better quarterback, his system would look a lot better on the field. Yeah. So I think there's a lot of disconcerting, you know, reviews for Jimmy Garoppolo. And you mentioned the contracts, Scott. I want to break that down quickly before you you make your point. You're dead on. Not only was it front loaded, but it's it's rolling guarantees. So they certainly let let uh, 2020 kick in this April 1st. So 2020 is now fully guaranteed, for the most part. not anymore after this. There are no more guaranteed salaries for Jimmy Garoppolo after this. He is in the exact same situation that Derek Carr is in, which is hysterical because statistically, gut feeling, kind of the, the, you know, the eye test, these two are completely aligned right now. The only difference is one of them went to the Super Bowl last year and almost won. So it's the exact same boat. I mean, the 49ers could easily move on, and they may have to move on from Jimmy Garoppolo to save themselves almost $24 million in cap space next year by moving on from Jimmy Garoppolo. It's a, I don't care that he went to the Super Bowl. He is on a one-year contract right now with that 49ers team. That's how you have to treat him. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I mean, right now, from Jimmy's standpoint, he needs to play lights out in 2020 to prove that he is a viable quarterback option for the 49ers. Otherwise, come 2021, he's gone. I mean, right now it says his dead cap's at 2.8. Oh, I yeah, mean, and that's not getting they're, higher. They're, yeah. And, and, and the 49ers will say, okay, see ya. We'll, we'll bring in someone better if they can. Um, so it, from from the Jimmy standpoint, he has to play lights out to really prove that he needs to be the quarterback for this team for the future. And if not, you know, we're, we're going to see, uh, you know, potential trades or yeah. depending on how the season unfolds, where they end up as a draft. They may be a team that we see, you know, gives uh, gives out two first rounds and moves up to get a quarterback that they want, a la, you know, Lawrence or whoever. So, I, have, I mean, there's I just so many this. unknowns. I have to say this just to connect some dots. So, Garoppolo gets released next offseason. Cam Newton's just okay. <laughs> right? Jimmy Garoppolo, week one starter for the Patriots in 2021, right? On a veteran minimum contract? <laughs> it, it, it's definitely interesting. It's absolutely possible. It's absolutely possible. Yeah, I would not put it by Belichick to do something like that. <laughs> not at all. You know, 
Cam Newton gets his stock up if he can produce on the field. We'll edit that out. somewhere else and gets contract. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. All right, let's move on. Yeah, just thinking out, <laughs> thinking out loud here. Number 16 is interesting as heck. Speaking of guys who need a big year, uh, yeah. the Rams as a whole need a bounce back. Jared Goff is number 16 on this list, which I'm not going to gawk at that. Jared Goff's a really talented individual. Um, he got plenty of tier two votes here. He's he's tier 2.74 in terms of the grading scale on this on this list here. Again, we're looking at Mike Sandoz quarterback tiers on the athletic. Uh, he was tier two last year. He fell in the tier three this year in terms of the voting structure. But I look, no Brandon Cooks, no Todd Gurley. I like the tight ends that are underrated on that team. I still like Robert Woods a ton if he's healthy. I still love Cooper Cup if he's healthy. Health was a big issue last year with all these players. Everybody I just mentioned had health issues last year. So Jared Goff was sort of on an island. He didn't succeed. I mean, they missed the playoffs. They've accrued a ton of dead cap because of having to move on from a couple of big players. Really, three three players account for the most of the dead cap. But they're third in dead cap in the entire league, almost $34 million. Generally speaking, that's a, that's a nail in a coffin for a team. When you're up there in the top five of dead cap, you have done something wrong. Well, they did. They, they signed some bad contracts. They got unlucky with Gurley. Brandon Cooks was, you know, a trade and an extension that probably shouldn't have happened. But you understand trying to fill the pieces in for Jared Goff when you when you put him in. The Goff contract was the worst one, though. It's the worst one maybe in the league right now in terms of how those guarantees are structured. There's so much dead cap this in next year. There's just no moving on. So the Rams can't break it down. They can't just rip off the Band-Aid and try to start over because Goff's contract 100% impedes them from doing this. So... They've got to be all in on the pieces they have. They didn't have the money to go out and spend and really get some more pieces in there. Jalen Ramsey's waiting for an $18 million a year contract. That's another problem that they have. I'm still not convinced that they don't keep him. I still think that they make him play out this fifth-year option and they have to trade him, franchise tag him and trade him. I think that's what's coming. I just don't think they're going to have, especially with the cap going down. I mean, my goodness, how do you, how do you extend Jalen Ramsey to the highest cornerback contract in history knowing the financial situation they're in across the board. It's just not, it does, I just don't see it. So they, they might have to try to get one of those first-round picks back for him and uh, you know, hope they can find a team who needs a cornerback who can extend him as well. I, I just don't know. It, a lot of teams are going to be in holding patterns because of the financial situation that 2021 is going to be. I just can't see how the Rams push forward like they've been doing, giving these big contracts out kind of at will. And uh, Goff has sort of been... He's the glue right now. He's the, he's the, he's the glue they don't want because they, they wish they had more flexibility and fluidity with that financial situation. But his, his numbers are so big and so damning that when that salary cap does drop in 2021, he's going to be sticking out like a sore thumb. So we'll see. It's, it's ugly, but I don't hate this team. I don't hate this team at all. I mean, having Jalen Ramsey makes that secondary formidable. Having Robert Woods and Cooper Cup and a couple of tight ends makes that offense at least average possibly above average they have drafted running backs well over the past couple of seasons because they knew that they were in a tough situation with Gurley. It, it could really work they're in a tough division but it could really work well uh is jared goff too high for you at 16 where, where are you on him no i think it's about right yeah uh go, going down from a tier two down to the tier three about 16th yeah i i, I think he himself just needs to to play better i mean they have <laughs> They have weapons on the team that, you know, any other team would want and would help any of their quarterbacks. I mean, if, if you gave Cooper Cup or Robert Woods to Aaron Rodgers, he, he would be ecstatic. 
So I think it comes down to golf and living up to the money and that contract that the Rams have given him and, and projected him to be. And right now he's on a, you know, based on the tiers here of the votes, I mean, he's yeah. on a downward trend and that's not good for him. So he needs to really come out and prove that he, he's the guy because they paid him to be the guy. Yeah, he, he throws for a lot of loose yards. I mean, he, he had almost 4,700 yards last year, but only 22 touchdowns and a passer rating of 86. I mean, that's that's not efficient. To me, that's what has to improve. Maybe maybe run the ball a little bit more in L.A. and, and use him a little bit less, maybe more of a Garoppolo-style offense. You know what I mean? Something that takes a little bit of pressure off him so he can rebound a little bit, become more efficient, because he doesn't have that really burner number one wide receiver anymore. They've lost Cooks. They're going to rely on a lot of slots and a lot of over-the-middle over the middle offense, which kind of leans into that 49ers-Patriots style of offense, right? Your smaller wide receivers, they're going to catch mm-hmm. short passes. That's going to be the Rams this year, and I think it could be successful if he takes some of that pressure off him. I like him. I, I know I've bagged on him a lot, and I've bagged on him for the, because of that contract. But look, anyone offers you that contract, you sign it immediately with three pens. That's what you do because that's a, that's a Rams mistake, not a Jared Goff mistake. All right, moving on here. Kirk Cousins, we talked a lot about him. Kirk Cousins was, again, the benefactor of a team needing cap space, so they extended their quarterback to a two-year fully guaranteed extension. This guy just keeps winning. I know he might never win a Super Bowl, but he he has won in his financial career. He is a winner. Uh, the, the back-to-back tags, the fully guaranteed free agent contract, and the fully guaranteed extension. He could walk away after t- in two years and just... be with a big old smile on his face. I played some pretty <laughs> yes, good football could. and I made a crap load of money and that's all that matters. You know, I'm sure he wants to win a Super Bowl. Of course, I'm kidding, but that's a good Minnesota team. I, you know, I think they had a problem with Stefan Diggs last year. They don't have that anymore. They brought in a couple of pieces to hopefully fill that puzzle in. Delvin Cook's situation is going to get interesting, though I do think he reports. I think he reports in a week. There's no reason for him to stay, to stay away. There just isn't. Um, and I was happy to see Derrick Henry get his contract because I think it's the exact contract that Delvin Cook should sign. A four-year deal that looks like a two-year deal, fully guaranteed. Lock yourself into a couple of franchise tags. Now, I'm, not, I'm saying that as an extension. So whatever he's to make this year is fully guaranteed. Then you tack on maybe $25 million more over the next two seasons. And that's it. That's it. Keep the guy. He's a heck of a player. He's got some red flags with injuries. But, you know, similar to what you've done with Kirk Cousins, align Delvin Cook with him. Keep that kind of core intact for the next two seasons, three seasons, essentially and see what you can do. Because this team has been close a couple of years now. And I don't, yeah, think, I, don't, I don't think they should rock the boat too much. Cousins okay there? Yeah, I think he's okay there. I mean, like you said, he's he's playing the system and getting paid as he needs to. He, at 15th, yeah, he, he is a quarterback that, you know, he's starting to prove that he can take it on the shoulders and advance the team into the through the playoffs. Um, so I, I think he's right about where he needs to be. Um, I agree with the cooks, you know, if he, um, it's almost at a point where with the unknown situation, you're going to, he's going to have to want to take the money, you know, with whatever they're going to give, if they're going to give him something, because it's a really, you, you don't know. It's a really good point, Scott, because we've talked a lot about how there's like 11 running backs that are going hit, to hit free agency after this year. Right. And if you've got a salary cap that dumps that low, Everybody yep. can leverage that. I mean, you, you might be able to sign back Delvin Cook for a veteran minimum contract next year because how do you justify paying a running back when a $25 million salary cap dump, you know? I mean, mm-hmm. Aaron Jones, 
Leonard Fournette, what's going to happen with those guys? I mean, I don't, I'm not even sure you can afford a franchise tag a running back in, in this in this upcoming offseason because of how the cap situation is going to be structured. So it's, it's actually a really good point to make. Maybe it's reckless to extend him right now, knowing that they might be able to force so much leverage next offseason with, with that position that there's just no point in doing it. You're probably right, Scott. Well, and they had that Madison kid who can play you know, ball. he showed – he, he showed that he can take the ball and do what he needs to with it. So, you know, from, but from a, a cousin standpoint, yeah, I think he is right where he needs to be. And I, I, I wouldn't put him any higher. 15 votes for tier two on Kirk Cousins. So I know a lot of people that hate him, but there's still plenty that like him enough. All right. 14 is a really interesting name. Uh, this is a, this is a benefactor. I think of the team around him. Kyler Murray had a great second half last year. He is 14th on this list. Tyler, Kyler Murray got a tier one vote. He got a tier one vote. He also yeah, got five tier vote. He also got five <laughs> tier four votes. Yeah. So think about what you will there. Uh, I love him. I think he's a stud. I think he's a smart kid. Certainly goes through his, through his progressions well. His progressions now include Larry Fitzgerald, Christian Kirk, DeAndre Hopkins, and a couple of running backs that can play ball too. So, you know, Kenyon Drake, of course. It's all set up nicely for them. I'm not, I'm not sure they have the offensive line they need just yet, which could be a, a troublesome, especially in the middle of the season. But this kid with that offense and that offensive-minded coach, uh, I, I love that he's this high. He's essentially the, the first quarterback in Tier 3 right now, and he had a really good shot at getting to Tier 2. We got 19 Tier 2 votes from Mike Sando. So I, uh, it seems right. Of all these young quarterbacks, yeah. he's, he's maybe the one people think of less, you know? You talk, you talk about Baker so much and Josh Allen and that Bills team that's mm-hmm. taking a step forward. Look out for Kyler Murray because oh, yeah. that team around him is arguably as good as any offense we have right now going in terms of, you know, the un, the unknown. I mean, you know, we laid out the Carolina offense for Teddy Bridgewater. That doesn't even hold weight to Kyler Murray's situation right now, now that, now that they've acquired DeAndre Hopkins. So it should be a really fun season for that entire division, to be honest. I'm going to let you take 13 because I don't get it. Yeah, I don't either. This is, I, this, I actually, is it. this is the one Scott where I had to stop and go, whoa, this was a whoa for me. Who is yeah, it? I actually I actually think Kyler Murray should be above Phillip Rivers here. I think it was a flip flop situation, especially with the, the growth that Murray. Is Who the hell gave Phillip Rivers a tier one vote? I don't I know. I want names. Someone, <laughs> some, someone who is a diehard Phillip Rivers uh, fanatic, I guess. He's, but, a, he's, a, he's a Hall of Fame quarterback for me. I think he deserves to be in the Hall of Fame, but that doesn't mean at this current state of the career that he belongs. This it's, it's a bad move. I don't like the Indy offense right now. I know they've got some weapons. Those weapons are running backs. T.Y. Hilton can play a ball, but he can't stay healthy for three weeks. So how do you trust that? I, Phillip Rivers isn't going to make this team that much better. He's just not. He's not. No. Andrew Luck didn't even make this team that much better. And he was a great quarterback at, in his prime. So I, I don't know. This, is, I, this was maybe a little bit of clickbait from Sando, in my opinion. I just don't love this pick at all. I think he should be down there in Cam Newton's world, right? He's, to me, he's about the same. It's a brand new team. I understand he's got some familiarity with Frank Reich, but absolutely a decline, an athletic decline, which you could match to Cam Newton's injury situation. I to me, to, for him being six six spots ahead of Cam Newton is just wrong for me. It's wrong. Uh, that indie team could take a step back before they take a step forward, in my opinion. But who knows? I'm not going to bag it too much. Dak Prescott, <laughs> 12th. Seems about right. Just out of the top yeah, 10. Yeah, seems about right. Yeah, yeah it does. Seems he, about right. 
I have no issues with that one. Is this his last year as a Dallas Cowboys quarterback? Mm, no, I think they tag him again. Yeah, I think I I, th- I think Dallas is going to pull the you know Kirk Cousins move. I've said this in the past. I think they're going to pull the Kirk Cousins situation where they tag him twice and then go from there and and let him walk potentially. But you know, this as we've said with some other quarterbacks already. This is a year that Dak has to produce. If he can come out and be lights out, I mean, and show I'm your guy, pay me what I want, then maybe Dallas, you know, succumbs and and gives him that extension or when that time comes. But I, I think he probably gets tagged again, and Dallas just buys their time a little bit longer, and that's a situation that they're going to put themselves in. I think they're drafting a quarterback next year. I'll put it that way. <laughs> a lot um, thought they were going to draft one this year. Yeah, they did in the seventh round, if that counts for no, anything. No, but I meant, I mean, some thought Jalen Hurts like, yeah. was going to go there. Well, so I mean, the writing was on the wall. Look, let's not discount this. Jalen Hurts and Jordan Love are trade chips. And oh, th- those teams will say they're not. Those teams say they have a plan for those players and they, and they want viable backups f- for their veteran quarterbacks. But to say that they're not trade ships is just incorrect because every, anybody who's got that much talent and that much upside and is not playing is tradable. <laughs> and if Dallas doesn't want to deal with another tag situation for Dak Prescott, they're going to be calling Philadelphia. They're going to be calling them because guess what? Guess what trading for Jalen Hurts next year means? They don't pay that signing bonus. Philly's already mm-hmm. paid it. It's an absolute bare minimum contract to bring him in. Now it's going to take a good draft pick to get him in in the house. But would you rather do that than tag Dak Prescott at $37 million next year? I don't know. I, yeah. I think Dak's got to be pretty darn good in 2020. And that's this team has that's to be special. Saying. Special. Yeah. I mean, to me, it's about winning. Dak's already been good. Dak was great last year. He's, he can do it. I mean, he's, a, he's in Kirk Cousins kind of world where the numbers always look really good. He just hasn't produced late into the postseason. So... It's going to take that, in my opinion. It's going to take Dallas to be in the NFC Championship game minimum for it to be secure, locked in that Dak Prescott's going to be here in 2021 because I think Jerry's done with this minutia, <laughs> to put it lightly. And there's going to be options. They're not going to be. They're not going to have a chance at Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields or those kind of players in the draft. But I do think there's a third-round pick or a second-round pick quarterback out there for Dallas, and I also think there's trade pieces out there. And, oh, by the way, they can probably start Andy Dalton for about $4 million in 2021. They got him for $3 million this year. They could just pop on a, a year, you know, a million next year with a bunch of incentives and make him the starter in 2021, and they probably wouldn't fall back too much. Now, Dak's a more talented quarterback than Andy Dalton. There's no question in my mind about that. But from a financial, if we, you've got to cut $30 million in cap next year, if you're Dallas. No, I was just going to. You know what you don't do? You don't tag your quarterback at 37. That's what you don't yeah. do. So just gonna go I'm there. just laying out options. They're going to have options, not to mention Jimmy Garoppolo might be on the open market. Derek Carr might be on the open market. I mean, it's gonna, there's going to be some names sitting right there in front of them, and they don't come with $37 million fully guaranteed tags. So we'll do we, see. Do we, know, do we know what the tag would be based on this 175 number? Because I know the tag that's been out has probably been based on the 198. No, no. It, because he's tagged this year, it's 120% of his tag this oh, year. Oh, so yeah, Dallas is screwed. Right. There's the, yes, the cap production means nothing to Dallas. <laughs> it's all it's yeah. 37 and change for for Dak Prescott next year, and there's nothing they can do about it. That's why I think I would trend towards him not getting it at this point. 
Yeah, that that is a. Uh... That is more interesting than I initially thought. So, yeah. And, you know, I scrolled up and looked at number 11, and it's just interesting that number 11 is Carson Wentz from Philadelphia. So, you know, I I do see that, you know, Dallas play play Dak on the franchise tag now. Maybe Jerry had some insight knowing that, um, you know, the cap was going to drop as much as it was. I'm not going to extend him. I'm not going to get locked into, you know, because even if the cap goes down to 175, that does not mean that in 2022, the cap is going to go back up to 198 or higher. Mm-hmm. You know, it may be a progressive cap increase from if it drops to that 175. So it's almost like it's going to be a reset in, in a sense. So from Jerry's standpoint, not wanting to pay all that money, you know, you can sort of understand if he makes a trade for a quarterback like Hertz, like you said, and not have to pay that signing bonus or get one in the draft and, you know, trade up. But, yeah, it's such a fluid. Next year might be a really crazy year for low paid veteran quarterbacks, because I just Mm -hmm. think there's going to be a ton of teams that opt for that. If they can opt out of their current high-paid quarterback and they and they would prefer to do so, they will. Carson Wentz might be one of those, by the way. You, you know, Philadelphia might not move on from Hurts because Car- they might move on from Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz is a heck of a player. Carson Wentz hasn't been able to stay on the field, and they've shown that other quarterbacks in that system can work, a la Nick Foles. So, yeah, but he's got a ton of dead cap, so you'd have to do they, something to move him. They can make it work. Not gonna- they can make it work. If they have to, they can make it, it work. With fifty nine million in dead cap, I mean, wow. I the, mean, if they got to push I, that into twenty twenty two a little bit, you know, a post six one release or trade, they could do it. There's a there are scenarios that they can get out of it. And look, <laughs> you mentioned it at the top, and I, and we haven't included rollover yet, and we haven't included a couple of things that that'll get finalized once the twenty twenty season starts. But as it stands right now, the Philadelphia Eagles are n- <laughs> are <laughs> negative ninety one in cap space on a one seventy five yes. next year, so. That, there is work to be done. Certainly, Elshon Jeffrey is going to fall off that cap. Uh, what I'm telling you is the quarterback position is fluid right now. Even if the Carson Wentz's contract is difficult and he is a heck of a quarterback, I am not knocking the player. I'm telling you, Philadelphia has financial work to do. They do have a quarterback sitting behind Carson Wentz who is either a starting candidate or a trade chip. You know, you know, and I think he's both in Jalen Hurts. But keep an eye on Carson Wentz in 2020. It's a big, big year for him in Philadelphia because of what has to come next offseason for those Eagles. Number 10, Matt Ryan, speaking of one-year deals, in my opinion, there's a lot of dead cap there too, Scott, but Matt Ryan has gone too far down. That, that Falcons team has gone right to the bottom now in at least these past couple of seasons. Uh, Especially with the weapons that have been around him. I can't believe he's still a tier two quarterback. I know the stats are there, but they're kind of jaded stats. He does have weapons. Julio Jones is a weapon. Calvin Ridley is a weapon. You know, they made a nice acquisition for a tight end that they didn't have to pay Austin Hooper money to. I, I don't know. They rebuilt this entire defense. They did bring in Todd Gurley, which hopefully they can salvage some career off of him still. So there's, there's a path forward, and they'll certainly be better than Carolina based on what the projections we see there. It's a big year for Matt Ryan, in my opinion. He, if he's going to hold that contract up anymore, he's going to have to really put some wins on that board for, for the Falcons, or it's going to be a mess coming soon, especially with the cap dropping. Same thing with Matthew Stafford, number nine. Matthew Stafford's a heck of a player, ton of talent, ton of athleticism. 
you know, there was a ton of speculation about him leaving this offseason until they restructured him last December. And I got on here and I told you, when you restructure your quarterback in December, he's not getting traded or, or, or cut in February. That's just not how it works because you added dead cap. The only time that's ever happened is Ryan Tannehill with the Dolphins, and we're all still completely confused as to why they did it. No one knows. They added dead cap to themselves knowing they were going to release a player soon. It's just not going to happen. Uh, Stafford is on a one-year contract. End of conversation. He is on a, on a contract year, even though there's plenty of years left on that restructured contract that he signed a couple of years ago. He has been Kirk Cousin on steroids. He has been the benefactor of Detroit's cap hell three times, including the yeah. initial rookie contract. He's made a ton of money. He does not need more money. I promise you, he can, he can go play on a vet minimum somewhere else and win some Super Bowls if he wants to. Um, but he's on a one-year deal in terms of how that contract is structured and what the Lions need. To me, everybody on the Lions team is on a one-year contract. Everybody, including the coach, certainly the GM. This is a team that has to take a step forward because they just not have not improved over the past four seasons. And uh, Stafford had a nice start to last year, got injured. The wheels fall off for that entire team. He's still a heck of a quarterback. I justify him being top 10 and tier two here. I, I, I completely think so. He got five tier one votes. He can still sling the ball. There's no question about it. And he's experienced enough to take a team far. But it's a one-year deal right now on that contract. Same goes for Ben, Scott. What do you think about that? Yeah, I, I think at eight, that's about right. I mean, I, a little I generous. almost think... What's that? It's a little generous for me. Yeah, I was. I, I, what I was about to say was eight, nine, ten. I mean, you can pretty much flip-flop any yeah. of these guys. I mean, Ben has been on the decline as far as, you know, w- with his uh, injuries. Mm-hmm. He almost didn't come back, and then he did, and then he had a multi-year contract, and he's there. No idea who his backup is going to be. <laughs> Pittsburgh doesn't even know that at this point. Um, Eight's probably a little generous. If I had to pick, I'd probably take Stafford and, and Ryan over uh, Big Ben at this point just because of the um, – I think they can sling the ball a little bit better and, and move a little bit better. Stafford's health, you know, we've seen what that is going to be. But, you know, I'd, I'd group these three. If you could just give them all the same number, I'd pretty much give all these three the same number. Um, Me too. And that's kind of the case going forward here with all these quarterbacks. There's a couple of anomalies we'll get to in a second, but you mentioned the injury with Ben. I'll go back to Alex Smith's conversation. I realize that's apples and oranges from injury standpoint. There's been nobody more durable than Ben Roethlisberger. He's just been a big, gigantic, impossible, immovable object. I mean, he's still, I bet you he's still terrifying to play against. I, I would imagine that if he is into it, if he's mentally invested, he's as good as anybody right now. I just don't love the weapons that much. I just don't. I just don't think Pittsburgh's done him many favors. I, I like James Conner. I like, you know, Schuster, Smith Schuster, but they could have brought in a veteran, in my opinion, in both those spots, running back and wide receiver, just to kind of give Ben in, in this twilight, maybe, maybe last season, maybe last two seasons, a real chance. Um, I just don't, I'm not sure that that GM has done him any, any favors this offseason. That's all. All right. Number, number seven is interesting. I, I don't know. I mean, he got 16 tier one votes. But he falls into tier two. It's Lamar Jackson, number seven, the MVP. <laughs> I mean, uh, you win an MVP and you're not top five. So that's that's where Mike Sando's list has right now. It's arguable. It's it's clickbaity. That team got better, in my opinion, on the defensive and offensive side of the ball. They got Calais Campbell from Jacksonville for a bag of peanuts. 
and they drafted themselves a heck of a running, running back offense in, in J.K. Dobbins, who's, I mean, that kid can do everything. So you put that with a, with a crazy mobile quarterback, Lamar Jackson, it should be all good things. It should be all good things for Baltimore. They should be one of the AFC contenders, if not favorites. Let me see where the Vegas has. Yeah, Vegas has them right now a half point behind Kansas City for Super Bowl 55 odds. They, <laughs> they are the top two teams right now to go to the Super Bowl. Do you know who the, wow, do you know who Vegas has as the, as the NFC favorite? We spoke about them and not very nicely. Who? The 49ers to return to the Super really? Bowl. Oh, wow. Save your money, folks. I don't. I just don't see that happening again. But we'll see. Crazier things have happened. I, I think with Lamar here, who 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 voted for him to be a tier three? Three people voted him to be tier three. <laughs> I would not put him even lower than tier two at this point. There's going to be some so, regression, though, right? There just has to be. Yeah, you, you even Mahomes so, regressed I mean, last year. Well, Mahomes regressed from 50 touchdowns down to 30 touchdowns or whatever. But there was an up. injury. There were some nerves in the Super Bowl. I mean, you, you saw you saw some rookie stuff out of Mahomes last year, and I just expect the same to be. I mean, I mean you're gonna they've got an entire offseason of to watching his tapes, defensive coordinators. Mm-hmm. They're gonna get yep. smarter on him. They're gonna figure him out. But I, I do th- I want to say this out loud again: J.K. Dobbins is gonna be a problem for for defensive coordinators. He's gonna be an X factor. That goes along with Lamar Jackson. So if you think you've got Lamar Jackson figured out, Dobbins might be doing everything Lamar, Lamar was doing last year. He might be taking that role right. over and making it a dual threat with the mobility yeah. and the ability to move around the field a little bit. So I, I, Yeah, but I, I, I don't know how you can justify a tier three for Jackson at this point. Is Tom Brady better than Lamar Jackson? Because that's what this list says. Me? I'm saying no. Me too. Me too. <laughs> Me too. I think no. I think Lamar's got to be in the top five, and there's really he should be fifth, right? The back end of the top five because of what he's done so quickly. And uh, based on the voting, top, yeah, the voters hands down said Tom Brady is better than yeah. Lamar Jackson. I mean, based on he deserves the, the benefit of the doubt. That's for darn sure. <laughs> he, he, no, he does. He does. But I'm saying if I'm taking a quarterback right now to start my franchise. I'd take Lamar Jackson over Tom Brady. Yeah, and, and that's certainly not how this list is, is made, so we should be fair to that. But, I mean, there's a quote right here in, in Sandoz's list that a GM said out, outright, I would take Tom Brady over Kirk Cousins and Matt Ryan. I guess that's right. Yeah, no, I would do that too. But I'm saying I don't think Tom is at six. I think he's a little bit lower. I, I just don't. I don't know. Tom doesn't want to get hit. Tom likes quick, short out patterns, and he's got Mike Evans and Chris Godwin who want to go deep. <laughs> I don't know. That scares me. Yeah, I, th- this is probably a, a you know a bias for Tom based on the assets that are around him. Not that Jackson doesn't. I think what happened is, if I had to guess, whoever voted tier three for Jackson is probably saying I can't I can't vote him into tier two because of his age or small sample experience or something like that, small sample size. And they're going with more with the Tom because he's a proven vet, a legacy. Um, Yeah. But I don't think my point is, is silly. Tom has been Tom because the Patriots have been brilliant in building a system around Tom Brady. Tom Brady is now going to somebody else's system. They they didn't blow up the Buccaneers to make it fit for Tom Brady. Tom Brady's joining an already existing offense of OJ Howard and Cameron Braid and Mike Evans and Ronald Jones and Chris Godwin. And I'm just not sure that offense, those wide receivers especially, are the kind of wide receivers he had in in New England. 
they're very, very different. Now I can see Godwin being like a Brandon Cooks kind of type player where there was some success there for Brady, but can Brady get that ball down the field anymore? From what we saw, no. Two things. Does he have the arm and does he have the ability to get to stay in the pocket to be able to get the ball downfield? I'm worried about that. I'm worried that there's not a fit. I love the tight ends and Tom Brady loves himself some tight ends. So that's certainly going to be a safety valve. I just think six was maybe a little reckless for Brady. You could have put him anywhere lower in the top 10 and we none of us really would have griped too much. That's all. That's my right. point. Yeah, that's what I was trying to say too. Yeah. Deshaun Watson at five. I love the player. I don't know if they, they lost DeAndre Hopkins. They traded him for essentially Randall Cobb and Brandon Cooks, which should be okay. I mean, if you put numbers up there, you know, you know, it's money balling a little bit, right? You're trying to just trying to get back to the same amount of production by having a couple of players instead of one great player. It's worked before. Depth is certainly a, a point of positivity in this 2020 season. You want as many players that you can interchange as, as possible. Uh, so Watson being there is fine. He's going to be a $40 million quarterback when it's all said and done, maybe not sooner than later, but in the coming months, I would imagine Drew Brees at four. I don't know. Same conversation with Brady. I, yeah, I agree, but, but higher because he's in the same system and he's got a brilliant coach around him. Right. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. The the bias of being on the Saints and the same system. I, I mean, the Saints have weapons just as Tampa Bay does. Yeah. So got a little better uh, too. I, yeah, they did. Got a little better. So. Kamara will be healthy. Emmanuel Sanders is a nice veteran ad for them. And uh, oh, by the way, that's a one year contract for Breeze. It's two for fifty, but only the first year is guaranteed. Brady's is fully guaranteed fifty million. So they're stuck with him for two years. Breeze can walk away after this one and can. Uh, Save the Saints a ton of money in 2021, which is going to be very important because, again, as you mentioned at the top, the Saints are number two in 2021 cap hell with about <laughs> negative 75 to work with right now. So there's going to be some they're, shifting they're for always, sure. Yeah, they're always perennial cap, cap hell, San New Orleans Saints. <laughs> they make it work. I give them credit. They make it work. Aaron Rodgers at number three feels like a power move for Mike Sando on this list because Aaron Rodgers is at, is at the shit end of many of these quarterback lists right now. You know, and Madden included, by the way, <laughs> Madden included. I love Aaron Rodgers. I don't love the, I don't love the Packers offense too much. There's a couple of pieces there that are really fun to watch. I kind of wish there's a change of, change of scenery for Rodgers. I kind of hope that it's Garoppolo out Aaron Rodgers in San Francisco in 2021. Any problem with that? Not at all. Okay. Not at all. Let's, I, let's I, leave I it right feel, there. <laughs> yeah. I kind of feel the same way. Yeah. So we'll see what happens with 2020 again. Green Bay's in a holding pattern. They got a heck of a quarterback. They were in the NFC championship game last year, by the way, so let's not crap on them too much. So we'll see if they can do it again. All right. We're in tier, we are in tier one, by the way. So Drew Brees, Aaron Rodgers, of course, Russell Wilson's here. And we mentioned the Seahawks at the top of this conversation. They got a lot, of, a lot better on the, in the secondary with Jamal Adams and uh, two years on his rookie contract remaining. Russell Wilson has three years left. So, oh, by the way, Another big year, year out of him, and there's going to be started some chatter about his conversation and uh, a new contract maybe after 2021, now that we know there's going to be a cap dump. But really nothing to say about Russell Wilson and really nothing to say about Patrick Mahomes. They belong at the top two of this list. They have the top two highest-paid quarterbacks in football right now. That's going to change soon with a couple of guys jumping Russell Wilson. But I, there's, no, there's not even a need to argue it, <laughs> okay? Not even a need to argue it. They belong here. Uh, I like that Aaron Rodgers is third in this list because I think from a skill standpoint, he is the third best quarterback in football. I think that's right. He's a better passer than Lamar Jackson. He's, he's not more agile than, than Lamar Jackson. 
He's uh, as accurate as Drew Brees when he's healthy. If he's healthy, the Packers will be just fine. That's life. If Russell Wilson's healthy, the Seahawks are going to be contenders. And if Patrick Mahomes is healthy, the, C- the Kansas City Chiefs are going to be the league favorites to go back to the Super Bowl. That's just life. Yeah. Good I list. Agree. Good job, Mike Sando. Again, that's on The Athletic. Visit theathletic.com slash track for 40% off. Do it now before sports gets really crazy because, man, we are in it. As long as baseball can maintain here, the NBA is going to start here, what, two days? When does the NBA start, Scott? The 29th? 31st? Uh, 29th, 30th. Yeah, 30th. so we're two days yeah. away from the NBA coming They're doing, joining the party yeah. here. And uh, hockey's right on their heels. Hockey hubs have started here. I've already yeah. reported the past couple of days. The bubbles. WNBA just started. WNBA is live. That's right. So, you know, it's here. It's all here at one time. We kind of anticipated this chaotic sports world happening in the fall. It's starting here at the end of summer. So get yourself an athletic subscription. Visit theathletic.com slash spot track for a little bit off this year. My thanks to them. My thanks to Scott Allen. My thanks to Dynasty Owner. Visit dynastyowner.com. Get yourself into fantasy football. Real contracts from spot track. My thanks to Hit Parade. Visit dacardwell.com. Get yourself some memorabilia. For Scott Allen, my name is Mike Gennetti. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Spot Track Podcast. <laughs>